0: So our topic this weekend, there are people right now in this stay-at-home order, you're experiencing relationship problems. Like there's somebody that you love, but you're distant from, you're divided from, and you do not know how to restart that process of reconciliation. You need this weekend's topic. There are people who are slaves to their past. How do you know that? when that topic comes up, it was a really bad thing that happened. Someone really hurt you or wounded you. But every time it comes up, you're instantly overwhelmed with anger. You need this weekend's topic to be set free. There are people who are battling addiction right now. Like this is a really hard time in the stay-at-home order. So you're binge eating, binge watching, binge computer game playing, and you're out of control in that area. Like alcohol, drugs, tobacco, there are things in your world, pornography, that you're binging with that is not healthy for you. And step one to being set free is today's topic. There are people who have this invisible barrier in their relationship with God right now. Like you don't sense him. You feel like he's far away. This weekend's topic you need. Our topic this weekend is this, God blesses us when we own our mistakes, God himself blesses us, he blesses you when you own your mistakes. Let's define this thing, be really clear what it is. There's kind of two dysfunctional extremes when you talk about owning your mistakes. On the one hand, there's people out there who have no healthy boundaries. They own other people's mistakes. Yeah, maybe they influenced them or did not influence them healthy ways, but somebody else's mistakes are their issue. They own their mistakes. So you don't own other people's mistakes. At the same time, it's also very unhealthy to not own your own mistakes. There are people who have made mistakes and you deflect the blame. It is not your fault, especially in times when both parties were a bit at fault, but you focus only on their being at fault. And you don't even wanna bring up your fault. It's almost a competition. I want them to admit how they're wrong first. And so when we own our mistakes, God begins the process of moving in our lives. Yes, he begins that reconciliation process, the healing of our inner world, restoring our connection with him. You need this topic this weekend. God blesses us when we own our mistakes. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I just just ask you right now to move in our lives. There are people who have hurting relationships, addictive behaviors, wounds in their past, They don't feel connected to you. They need this topic to in a really healthy, open way in the grace and acceptance of the gift of the cross. Own their mistakes, mistakes that you have paid for. Thank you for the cross where you put all of our mistakes. You placed them on the cross and you paid for them. We thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay guys, uh, let's do a quick reset of this series. In week one of this series, we talked about sometimes the best thing God can say to us is no. Sometimes when we pray, the best thing God can say to us is no. No is often God's protection. Like he knows he's out there in the future. He knows if he says yes, it will not be good for us. Sometimes God is trying to grow us and his no is a path for us to grow spiritually or there's this larger purpose we cannot see. That was week one. Sometimes the best thing God can say is no. Last week was week two. We talked about how to follow Jesus. And to follow Jesus, we're always listening for God's no. We're always listening for God's no, his yes, his turn left, his turn right. We're always listening to God. We saw these like two stories from the life of the apostle Paul. One story was when the Holy Spirit of God told Paul no, and he listened. And God led him to a better yes in the future. The second story was when the Holy Spirit of God told him no. He wanted to give a better yes, but he didn't listen. Of course, no one listens to God perfectly, because there's no perfect person outside of Jesus Christ. Our topic this week, though, is that God blesses us when we own our mistakes. And so we're going to be in the Old Testament with the life of Moses. If you have a Bible, turn to Numbers chapter 13 to begin. I'm gonna just start off uh, today's topic with two quick stories from Moses' life. Both stories are from the book of Numbers. Uh, these are two of the biggest moments in Moses' life. Um, one is the story of Israel and the 12 spies. That's Numbers 13 to 14, Israel and the 12 spies. So here's the story. Uh, Israel was getting ready to enter the promised land. Like they're just 11 days away. Uh, they had just left Egypt. I mean, they're right there delivered supernaturally. God gave Israel a promise. I am giving you the land. That's Numbers 13, verse two. So they were gonna go into the land. It was a done deal, a promise. But God had them send out 12 spies. And he says, guys, these spies are not there to evaluate whether I can do what I said. I can do what I said. That's the nature of God's promises, which is our next series on God's promises. He says they're there to see how big of a miracle this is gonna be. So 12 spies, one from each tribe, enter the land, they, for 40 days, a number of testing in scripture, 40 days. They enter the land, come back, they say, yes, it is amazing as God said, but we can't do this thing. That's Numbers 13, verse 31. Numbers 13, verse 31 says this, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they... Are stronger than we. They brought back the truth like they were not able to defeat them militarily. But that's not what God said. He said, go find out what a big miracle is. You're not there to evaluate whether I can do it. You're there to see how amazing this miracle is. That's the nature of God's promises. We often see God's promises in a bigger way with bigger challenges that we cannot do ourselves. But all of Israel, said, we can't do this. All of Israel said, we are not going in the land. And so God said, okay, I feel bad for you, but here's the deal. Everyone 20 years old and up, you're gonna die in the wilderness. In fact, it's gonna be 40 years, 40 days of of searching the land, 40 years of wandering. And everyone 20 years old and up is gonna pass away, except for a short list. And he reads the names of who actually makes the 20 20 year old up who gets into the land. It's Numbers 14, verse 30. Numbers 14 and verse 30 says this Except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. Of course, at this moment, this is one of the most horrible moments of Moses' life. You know, he's reading the list. Here's all the people. They will enter the land. Caleb and Joshua, and that's it. So he's not entering the land? Like, how could this be? Okay, that's the first story: Israel and the 12 spies rejecting God's promise because they look at what they could do versus what God could do. Okay, let's fast forward to Numbers chapter 20. Let's talk about the second story now: Moses and the second rock. That's Numbers chapter 20. And Moses and the second rock, I have to tell you about Moses and the first rock. So the first rock story happened uh, in Exodus chapter 17. Here was the situation. Israel, right when they exited Egypt, was in the desert. There's no water. People are complaining. And God said, take your rod and see that rock? Go strike the rock. And I will miraculously let water pour out of this rock. By the way, this moment in Exodus 17, the first rock, is an incredible picture of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of the cross 2,000 years ago. 1 Corinthians 10 says that rock was Christ, was a picture of Jesus Christ. We know the rod in Scripture is a picture of God's judgment striking the rock, was a picture of God's judgment striking Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago for our sins. And water, life comes out of the rock. Like 2,000 years ago, the cross was the key for life to enter this world. That was the first rock story. Fast forward. Israel has learned. 40 years, they're gonna wander. 20-year-old and up, everybody's dying, but Caleb and Joshua. Moses and Aaron are not on that list. And they're frustrated with that. And then, again, in Numbers 20, they're in the desert, there's no water, people complaining. And this time, God says, take your rod... And don't strike the rock, speak to the rock. That's Numbers 20, verse eight. Numbers 20, verse eight says, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus, you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Okay, so he's told to speak to the rock well the first time the rock was struck it's a picture of the crucifixion but when you speak to the rock, when you speak to Jesus 1 Corinthians chapter 10 he's the rock, that's prayer. like it's a great picture how we don't uh, we don't strike the rock again. Jesus doesn't suffer a second time for our sins. Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 10 makes it very clear there was one sacrifice for sins and so this is a picture of prayer. That you and I, when we need life, when we need water in this world, we're just one prayer away. We go to the rock and speak to the rock. Did you speak to the rock, Jesus Christ, this week for the water, the life that you need? You can do that right now. Speak to him. Ask him. Talk to him. What did Moses do? He's so upset, he loses it and strikes the rock twice. Numbers 20. Verse 11 says this, Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Okay, Moses made a mistake. Moses blew it. But God was so gracious and he is so gracious with me and you and all of us that even sometimes when we disobey God, we don't follow him perfectly. God still fulfills his promise, does amazing things. Moses disobeyed, he blew it. And because of this moment, not because of the 12 spies, because of this moment, Moses disobeyed God. He would not enter the promised land. God blesses us when we own our mistakes. Now I share these two stories. Moses uh, sending out the 12 spies, Israel and the 12 spies, and Moses striking the rock the second time. I said that because I wanted to look at six different verses, six different statements. After this moment, how did God talk about why Moses wasn't entering the promised land? And how did Moses talk about these moments? You know when you listen to people talk about their past wounds, their past mistakes, if you listen to their words, listen to how often they are responsible for certain things in their life that they were a part of or other people were responsible. By our words, our words reveal our heart. Was Israel at fault with Israel and the 12 spies? Yes. Was Israel at fault for complaining about the water? Yes. But that doesn't justify what Moses is about to say. So we're gonna see three times God talks about why Moses doesn't go in the land and three times Moses talks about why he isn't going in the land. Again, God blesses us when we own our mistakes. How does God talk about it? We see that, by the way, in Numbers chapter 20 and verse 27. The first one is Numbers 20, right after Moses strikes the rock twice. Moses hears this from God in Numbers 20, verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron because you did not believe me to hallow me, to keep me separate or wholly different in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. God was saying, there's a reason I left you off that original list of Caleb and Joshua, all the 20 year olds entering the land. I was in the future. I foresaw this very moment. Yes, leaders are responsible when their teams fail. Absolutely. But the reason you're not going in the promised land is that you blew it by striking the rock a second time. I told you to speak to the rock. Now, there is a larger theological picture here that's amazing. I'm just gonna throw it out so you can go deeper. Moses represents the law. Moses represents the Old Testament rules and regulations. And Moses could only lead Israel up to the border of the promised land. Who led them in the promised land? The man named Joshua, which is it's the same name as Jesus. It's a picture of how rules and regulations can only take you up to the border of the promised land, but Jesus is the only one who can take you to the promised land. Old Testament takes you to the border. The New Testament takes you in the promised land. Laws take you to the border of the promised land. Grace takes you into the promised land. It's an amazing principle. Go ahead and unpack that later. Sometime later, though, God reminded Moses a second time after the heat of the moment, look at Numbers 27, verse 14, 27, 14. God is talking to Moses. He said, you're going to pass away before you get the promised land. And God even tells him, I'll be gracious to you. I'm going to show you the land. You're going to see it from a mountain, a divine vision. But you're not going in because of what you did. Numbers 27, 14, for in the wilderness of Zin, during the strife of the congregation, you rebelled against me. You rebelled rebelled against my command to hollow me at the waters before their eyes. These are the waters of Meribah at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. So God makes it really clear to Moses, you're not going into the promised land because of what you did. Again, God blesses us when we own our mistakes. Let's compare that with what Moses said. So 40 years after this moment, an entire generation was raised up again. Deuteronomy literally means second giving of the law and onomy of law, Deuteronomy was second. So he's telling the brand new generation, the story of Israel and why he's not going in the land. Three times he says, it's not my fault, it's your fault. He says in Deuteronomy 1, verse 37, Deuteronomy 1, verse 37. Why am I not going in the land? The Lord was also angry with me for your sakes, saying, Even you shall not go in there. He picks up this theme later. In in chapter 3, he doubles down. Why was he not going to the promised land? It's your fault. Not my fault. Deuteronomy 3, verse 26. But the Lord was angry with me on your account. It's your fault. And would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. He says, I'm going to show you a vision of the land. I'm going to be gracious. But you can't lead people into the promised land, Joshua. Jesus can. Then he tripled down in chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 21. Why was Moses not going in the promised land according to him? He says, furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swore that I would not cross over the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Three times, Moses said, it's not my fault, it's your fault. It's not my fault, it's your fault. That's a real tendency in relationships, especially when there's shared guilt. There's a part of our human nature when both of us are wrong to focus on what they did. It is your fault. And I'm not gonna say what I did until you say what you did. At the end of Moses' life, right before he dies, Deuteronomy 32, how did God talk about it again? He says, Moses, I love you. I'm gonna show you the land. I'm gonna be gracious to you. But you're the reason. You're disobedient. It's what you did. It's not what they did. Deuteronomy 32 verse 51 says this. because you trespassed against me among the children of Israel as the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin because you did not hollow me in the midst of the children of Israel. Here's the deal, guys. God blesses us when we own our mistakes. Was Moses owning his mistakes on the inside? How can we know? But every time he talked about it, he never pointed to his fault. He always pointed to their fault. How does this apply to our lives? It does apply to our lives, to relationships, to our inner world, to our connection to God. There are people right now, your relationships are suffering because you're not owning your mistakes. You're not owning your mistakes. There's people who are inner world, they're all hung up because you're not owning your mistakes. There's people who do not feel close to God because you're not owning your mistakes. Let's talk about those. Let's talk about our, our relationships and the, the process of reconciliation. Reconciliation. You know, it's directly impacted, reconciliation, by owning our mistakes. I don't think I've ever, uh, ever been with a counseling, a couple, or individuals regarding reconciliation. You know, that moment when you're distant from somebody, you care about them. Like this is happening with Kathy and I these days from time to time. Like, stay at home is intense. It's harder there's more pressure. And we've had more opportunities to go to each other. Just this week, both her and me, her and I, we had to go to each other and say, I'm so sorry. The way I talked to you, the way I treated you, the way I acted, that was so wrong. And perhaps the reason that relationship is not growing, not getting better, is you're not willing to own your mistakes. Like, it doesn't help to go to somebody and say, listen, I... I think I'm ready to finally admit all the ways you're wrong. <laughs> like that does not help. Where does that come from? Proverbs 13 verse 10. I'll tell you where it comes from. The Bible says this in Proverbs 13 verse 10. 13 verse 10 says, by, says pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Yet what is, what is the number one contributed arguments, fights, division? Arrogance, pride. The unwillingness to own your mistakes, the waiting till they own their mistakes. They need to reach out first. They, they know what they did to me. The fear that if you own your mistakes and the injustice of them not owning their mistakes, who cares they don't own their mistakes? Remember, their decisions are their issue. Your actions are your issue. And could it be that God wants to bless that relationship because you start owning your mistakes? Let's talk about your inner world, your inner world and the process of healing. So our inner world is directly impacted by our ability to own our mistakes. Every recovery process in the world starts with this concept of admitting that you have a problem. Like, I don't think there's a recovery group or recovery counseling anywhere in the world that says this, hey, hey, I'm here. Hi, my name is Tim. And I just here to admit that my family has a real problem and I really hope for recover. I'm here to admit that I was wounded so deeply. I'm here to admit that other people are the reason, society is the reason, life is the reason that I do what I do. Recovery starts when you admit that you have a problem, that you own your mistakes, even bitterness from the past. Like I noticed, it was a few years ago, a person came up in my mind that had wounded my, my family and I very deeply. And every time they came up, in my mind, I'd be instantly angry. Like Moses level, striking the rock twice angry. And time, it's been a couple years. Like, should I really be that angry? I was re-angered by this. And I realized I had a problem. I had bitterness. And bitterness inside you is cancerous. It's poison. It eats you up from the inside. It bursts out, infects other people. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Hebrews 12, 15 says this. God tells us to be make sure we're looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness spring up cause trouble and by this many become defiled so do you have the root of bitterness how would you know Okay, when you see them, you burn with anger. You hope bad things happen to them. You feel like they've not been brought to justice yet. You get re-angered every single time you think about that. That's a problem. That's bitterness. That's not you getting set free. You say, Tim, how do I get out of this? Matthew 5, 44, Matthew 5, 44, Jesus convicted me that I was not praying for my enemy, praying for God to bless my enemy. So I started doing that. And I pray it was like poison in my mouth, frankly. But I started praying, dear God, would you please bless blank and blank? Those aren't curse words, those are names. <laughs> would you please bless that person, that person? I prayed, give them a great day, a great life. Give them finances and joy and happiness. It was like poison in my mouth. Until a couple of months later, I finally was praying it and meant it. And I stayed with it. The Holy Spirit changed me. Set me free from bitterness. Guys, God blesses us when we own our mistakes, and holding on to bitterness is your mistake. It's not their mistake. How about your connection to God and the concept of forgiveness? Okay, so our connection to God is directly related to our ability to own our mistakes with God. This is what 1 John chapter 5, 1 John 1. Although 1 John 5 is really good too. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says this. 1 John 1 verse 9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the amazing nature of the cross. See, God took all of our mistakes all of our sins and nailed them to Jesus Christ on the cross. When you receive Christ as Savior at that moment, all your sins are gone. In heaven, the record is expunged. On earth, you're set free from those sins. But when you sin on earth, it's not added to your record in heaven. That's expunged. It's not. You're not losing your salvation. You're still a child of God. But it does create this invisible barrier, this block with your relationship with God. A few years ago, I became really... My eyes were opened to the importance of regular, consistent confession of sin. It's something that's a regular practice in my time with God now. To specifically say, God, is there any sins I need to confess? And you confess them. You literally say, Jesus, I am so sorry. I confess I did this. I thought that. My attitude was bad over here. I Would you please forgive me with the blood of Jesus Christ? Forgive me with the power of the cross. And God forgives you. And that invisible barrier goes away. You step out of the darkness back into the light. Could it be you feel distant from God because you've not been consistently confessing sins? Stepping out of darkness back into light. Guys, how about you? God blesses us in our relationships. He blesses us in our inner world. He blesses our relationship with Him when we own our mistakes. What is God trying to do in your life right now? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.